Welcome to the RTO Superhero Podcast with me, Angela Connell-Richards, where we will explore the complexities of compliance and how to ensure business success within your RTO. This podcast is for anyone within the training industry who wants to learn from my experience as an RTO consultant, RTO manager, trainer and assessor, and entrepreneur, as well as the experience of other experts in this field. Listen in and let us help you become the RTO superhero you want to be. In this episode, I'll be covering the Stellar Trainer Matrix. A couple of months back, we did a Stellar Trainer Matrix Masterclass, and in that, we identified where are the skill shortages with trainers and assessors and what they need to know about writing a trainer's matrix. So I thought I'd do a podcast session on this as well. According to the standards, the requirements are that all trainers and assessors are to have and document their trainer's matrix, which is a matrix that includes their skills and knowledge and their background within their industry sector that they're delivering training. So there's different types of evidence that you need to include on a trainer's matrix. It includes experience within industry and or your vocational area. So this could be a resume, position description, or job role outline. Qualifications and professional development that the trainer has undertaken and relevant to their vocation. So you should have certificates and that can include PD certificates as well. Equivalent skills, knowledge and experience within their industry against each unit of competency that they are delivering. And this important part is mapping your skills and knowledge and experience to the performance criteria as per the units of competencies that you are delivering. Many RTOs have a range of different uh, trainers matrixes or staff matrix templates that they use. We've used one for many years now that have been through many ASQA audits and has been uh, compliant. The training that we delivered was based on our trainer matrix template. So let's take a deep dive now into existing skills and knowledge. So as a trainer or assessor, you should have a minimum of three years industry experience within the last three years. What we're finding is a lot of the training packages now are recording that what the minimum industry experience is. So you'll see it on the training product that it says uh, minimum of three years industry experience, but it could also be more than that, and it could also be at a higher level. So you really need to have a look at the training product that you are delivering to identify what is the minimum experience. But as a rule of thumb, minimum of three years industry experience within the last three years. The experience should be relevant to the units that you are delivering. What I mean by that is it should address, so you should be able to go through the unit of competency, address the performance criteria and the assessment conditions, and you should be able to map your skills and knowledge to that unit. Your work experience should be at the same level as the course that you're delivering. So that's hands-on experience working at the same level as what you're delivering. So if it's a Cert 3 level, you should have experience at that Cert 3 level. Now, you may also have experience at a higher level, but you should have experience at that same level. And practical experience using the same equipment that is required within that industry. 
Current industry skills and knowledge. Trainers and assessors' industry skills and knowledge must relate directly to the training and assessment being provided. And as I said earlier, minimum of three years of experience within the last three years. For example, if you were to, to deliver a unit from the childcare training package, provide care for babies and toddlers, the trainer and assessor should have a minimum of three years of experience in caring for babies. This is being employed within a regulated childcare facility within the last three years with at least three years experience within a regulated care facility. How does this apply to your matrix? Your matrix must be able to demonstrate that the trainer assessor has current industry skills and knowledge against the units that they're going to deliver. The trainer's matrix must include mapping of these currency of industry skills within the last three years against that unit. So what type of evidence should a trainer or assessor collect in order to complete their trainer's matrix? There should be sufficient evidence for each trainer and assessor to show that they demonstrate appropriate competency, currency and professional development. All information presented by trainers and assessors are to be verified. So this means you need to either have a JP sign to verify that they have cited the a direct copy of the original, or it could also be someone within the RTO that could cite the original as well. Evidence demonstrating that the verification has been conducted needs to also be stored on the trainer's file. Next, we're going to have a look at training and assessment competence. So as a trainer or assessor, you need to hold a minimum of the Cert 4 in training and assessment in order to be able to train and assess. If you are just going to be an assessor, then you need to hold the assessor's skill set. So if that's what you're writing your trainer's matrix for, you'll need to address that and have that on your trainer's matrix. So work versus training experience. What I mean by this is having hands-on practical experience within the workplace. So within the units and the industry sector that you will be teaching. Training experience is not so important for a new trainer. It's more important that you have currency within your industry and you're able to demonstrate that you have the experience within that industry sector to be able to deliver it. Now, as a trainer assessor, you should also hold the Cert 4 in training and assessment. What we find is that the more experience that you have as a trainer assessor, the better it can be within your roles within an RTO. So you tend to get paid more with the more experience that you have. Vocational competence and the trainer's matrix. So you should hold the current qualification that you are delivering training and assessment in your industry or as a minimum have equivalent skills and knowledge gained against each unit of competency. It is so much easier if you actually hold the direct equivalent unit that you are delivering when it comes to mapping your skills and knowledge within a trainer's matrix. You should hold the qualifications with the same units as the trainer assessor will be delivering and equivalent skills and knowledge must be mapped to that unit of competency. Meeting vocational competency requirements and what does that mean? So how you can demonstrate it is by holding the competency that you are delivering. Demonstrating the equivalence of that competency is also another way around that. So when you look at vocational competencies, 
with your vocation, hold the current qualification that you are going to deliver and equivalent skills and knowledge. And that should be mapped onto your trainer's matrix. Experience and qualification mapping. This is the area where we find a lot of people not so strong on their trainer's matrix, is mapping their skills and knowledge to the units of competencies that you're delivering. As I said earlier, if you hold the direct equivalent unit, it is much easier to map because you just map that you hold the direct equivalent. If you do not hold the direct equivalent, then you need to document what are the skills and knowledge that you hold that addresses the unit of competencies that you are delivering. So you should collect sufficient evidence of your trainer and assessor vocational competencies and verify this evidence that is provided. And you should also record and document analysis between the evidence and the competency requirements. Meeting current industry skills requirements, you need to be consistent with the requirements of the training package or accredited course that you are delivering. It also needs to be consistent with the required skills and knowledge of the trainer and assessor that you, your RTO has identified through the industry engagement. How do you demonstrate currency of knowledge and skills in vocational training and learning? So contemporary knowledge of the vocational education and training can be documented as your experience as a trainer assessor. You can also demonstrate this knowledge when delivering training and assessment. Training and assessment is relevant to learners' needs so that when you're addressing that, you've got it so that it is addressing the learners' needs. Okay, so when we look at mapping, you really should look at the unit of competency, then look at the performance criteria and the elements and the assessment conditions, and then map your relevant skills and knowledge against that unit of competency. Now, as I said earlier, if you hold the direct equivalent unit, you just basically add the unit that you have a direct equivalent. If you don't, you need to then break down further into how your skills and knowledge against that unit. So if we were to use the childcare one that I used earlier, so provide care for babies and toddlers, you would need to include within your trainer's matrix your relevant experience as somewhat an educator working within a childcare centre and what experience do you have? So what was your role? Were you responsible for a team? Did you have to manage other staff members? What was the age range of the students, that you, the children that you're working with? And what type of tasks were you required to undertake whilst providing care for babies and toddlers? So it takes a bit of time to be able to map this across. And this is where you could see holding the direct equivalent unit will make it much easier. Industry and vet currency. The current industry skills held by trainers and assessors need to be consistent with the requirements of any training packages or accredited course that they are delivering. It needs to be consistent with the required skills and knowledge of the trainers and assessors and has been identified through industry engagement. The currency in skills and knowledge is you need to make sure that trainers and assessors have the knowledge, but are also able to demonstrate their currency within the industry. Okay, now let's have a look at professional development. Evidence of professional development can be a range of different things. Now, 
at Vivacity, our training that we deliver for professional development for trainers is recognised by ASQA. So it could be even this training being uh, the Stellar Trainer Matrix. It could also be uh, maintaining your currency within the industry with as a trainer and assessor by just subscribing to this podcast. Your RTO is responsible for all trainers and assessors to ensure that they undertake professional development and the RTO is also responsible for collecting evidence of your PD. This includes the knowledge and practice of vocational training, learning and assessment and competency-based training and assessment as well. Professional development includes if you have participated in activities to maintain, upgrade and or develop how you deliver your training and assessment. These activities relate to providing training and assessment in a competency-based environment. Some other examples of professional development include being a member of an association, so it could be within the vet sector, but it could also be within your industry sector. Being a member of a vet network, such as the RTO community or the RTO job board that we have on Facebook. It could also be a membership with Vivacity, or it could also be a membership with an association like VELG. Attending workshops and conferences that are relevant to your industry sector, as well as the vet sector. So it could be an expo or a conference on your industry sector that is in particular talking about what what is happening within your sector. The other one is making sure that you're updating your qualifications that you hold that directly map over to the units that you are delivering. And that should be an ongoing process as every time the training package changes for the training package that you deliver, that you update your qualification to the latest version. It makes it so much easier down the track when you go to uh, complete your trainer's matrix. You should also record all of your professional development on a PD schedule and make sure that you're updating it at least annually and have an annual performance review. So I've gone through a range of different things that you can do for professional development to maintain your currency with only not only your industry, but also as a trainer or assessor. Now let's have a look at verifying your qualifications and your experience. This is a requirement of the RTO, is to verify all of the skills and knowledge that have been mapped out onto the trainer's matrix by the trainer or assessor. What is the RTO required to verify? They'll be required to verify the qualifications and certificates that the trainer or assessor has submitted as part of their evidence. They also need to verify the vet and vocational experience, so recent performance reviews, supervisor statements, verification reports, etc. Also undertaking professional development, workshops, conferences, webinars, you can provide receipts of ev as evidence that you've attended these, but also certificates that you may have received from undertaking each of these PDs. Also membership, so receipts or invoices for memberships of associations and networks. So as an RTO, they are responsible for verifying all of your qualifications that you have submitted. And they do this through training.gov.au, also usi.gov.au, they can also contact your referees, and they should, to verify the experience that you've had within the, 
those different industry sectors. And also they should be verifying the certificates issued by other RTOs. The RTO should also cite the original certificates and obtain certified copies for their records. They can also take copies of receipts and records of participation in PD. We highly recommend the RTO get a stamp that states on it certified true and correct copy of the original document and then anyone within the RTO can sign that verification of those certificates. Okay, so if you're an assessor only, you'll need to make sure that you hold the assessor skill set and then you just address what you will be assessing. You still need to map within your trainer's matrix your skills and knowledge. Okay, so when you go to actually write your trainer's matrix, these are the key tips for what you need to include within your trainer's matrix. The tricky bit is actually mapping your skills and knowledge to the units of competency. So the best way to do this is to go onto training.gov.au, download all of the units that you deliver, and then have a look at those units and then address the units with your skills and knowledge. And that's how you map it within the trainer's matrix. If you hold the direct equivalent unit, you're basically just stating that you hold the direct equivalent unit and that we can refer to your resume for experience and know where you have worked. But if you don't hold the direct equivalent unit, then what you need to do is you need to actually address, okay, so for example, if it was communication skills was one of the units that you're delivering, you need to actually provide evidence of communication skills and different types of communication skills that you've used in different roles. And that includes going down into detail of how you've utilised those communication skills. So it could be written communication skills. You have written a number of reports. You were responsible for writing policies and procedures. You were responsible for writing reports. So you need to put in what was that experience that you did and when did you do it and for what organisation that you did that for. As you may be able to hear, by the time you've gone through this process of mapping all of your skills and knowledge to each unit of competency, you might as well have undertaken an RPL process because sometimes it can be as time consuming as doing an RPL. But this is the type of evidence that we need to ensure that you have on your trainer's matrix. And the reason why is we need to be able to demonstrate that you have the skills and knowledge against each unit of competency to be able to deliver that training and assessment. You need to be able to provide evidence of that within your trainer's matrix. So I'd like you now to go to your trainer's matrix. Check it out. Do you have sufficient evidence within your trainer's matrix to map it against each unit of competency? Do you need more information on how to do this? You can access our trainer's matrix course by going to vivacity.com and we actually have it available for purchase on our website. If you'd like to know more information on the Stellar Trainer Matrix, you can also contact Vivacity on 1300 729 455. You also may be interested in undertaking the Stellar Trainer Scorecard. On the Stellar Trainer Scorecard, you can learn more about how do your skills and knowledge map to the requirements of a trainer matrix. 
So you can also access that from our website, the Stellar Trainer uh, scorecard. Also get in contact with Vivacity and we can redirect you to that. Thanks for listening and I look forward to catching up with you on our next podcast. Thank you for joining us at the RTO Superhero Podcast with me, Angela Connell-Richards. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on your preferred podcast app. Each rating and review helps me fulfil my goal of helping training organisations around Australia to learn and grow in compliance and business success.